Farming Programme with Araquit Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. This week sees the return of the UK's biggest village show, and it's in Lincolnshire. It's just so exciting to be back you know, with the, the full two days and looking forward to lots of people coming and, and just enjoying it. And if you're looking to start formal farming education from next term, what's available? Well, precision farming is a big part of what we're doing now. We're in the Lincolnshire Institute of Technology and the Yorkshire and Humberside Institute of Technology. Both have come with significant funds for centres for precision agriculture. One at Rhizome, one at Bishop Burton. And with last week's record-breaking temperatures, Sean's here with a crop report and some timely agronomy advice. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Well, few what a scorcher. Hope you coped okay. Good morning, I'm Steve Orchard. If you or your teenage children are contemplating starting agricultural college in the autumn, what's available course-wise? Where to go for all the information you need? At the recent Great Yorkshire Show, I met Bill Meredith, Principal at Bishop Burton and Rise Home College, and asked him what's coming in September. Well, precision farming is a big part of what we're doing now. We're in the Lincolnshire Institute of Technology and the Yorkshire and Humberside Institute of Technology. Both have come with significant funds for centres for precision agriculture, one at Rhizome, one at Bishop Burton. So we're encouraging our students to, to view agriculture in a very much more scientific way, applying inputs very much more accurately and the more efficient you can be in terms of your fertiliser and spray applications, uh, the greener your process is. And you have a new degree course starting in September for this? We do indeed, for precision agriculture, so we we'll welcome new ap- applicants to that. Young people are seeing that there are big opportunities there for people who are switched on to the digital side of things, uh, and actually regenerative farming is, is, is a big area of interest too. Precision agriculture and regenerative farming work very well together. And where will these courses be offered? At Bishop Burton College near Beverley, uh, but also at, at Rhizome uh, near Lincoln. We're working very closely with the University of Lincoln, have got quite advanced uh, robotics systems. Uh, most of their work is with, with PhD level students, but uh, we produce the, the students at levels two, three, and four in agriculture, and so then they can progress on either straight into a job or onto uh, some of the higher education courses that are provided. And what age and what entry requirements? Uh, typically we take students on at, uh, at 16. We'll be looking for uh, four good GCSEs, generally maths and English uh, are very important. But if they don't quite get there, we can put them on the right level course to enable them to get there. So we actually teach them maths and English alongside their programmes if they still require to get to that level. So you could go down the apprenticeship route or further education, which does include quite a lot of work experience as part of your college programme. And then we also go up to higher education, particularly around foundation degree level, or you can just do a one year HNC, if you like, just to see you know, if, if you're enjoying it, and then top up to a foundation degree. So you can do it sort of piece by piece, if you like. Although most people at some point would decide employment is the thing for me now, I've got the skills and knowledge I need, I'm employable. Uh, and so that's what our mission is really to, to make our students more employable to make sure they've got the up-to-date industry knowledge uh, so that they can help take the industry forward and where could we find out more information about this well, we do run open days throughout the year but it's best to have a look at our uh, website so just google bishop burton or rise own college two separate websites and come to our next open day or just give the college a, a call and of course we've got online prospectus as well marvelous thanks for joining us on the program this Thank morning you very much my pleasure
Next week sees the return of What's Build, the biggest village show in the country, Lincolnshire's Heckington Show. To tell us all about it, show director Charles Pinchbeck. Good morning. Good morning. Looking forward to another big show coming up on Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, ab- absolutely. It, it's just so exciting to be back you know, with the, the full two days and looking forward to lots of people coming and, and just enjoying it. And before we sort of talk about what's actually on this time, give us a little bit of history because this has been running for a long, long time, hasn't it, the Heckington Show? Oh, it has, yes. There is a theory that it goes back nearly a thousand years, a tradition of a big celebration in Heckington this weekend. But the show itself goes back as, as far as 1863, so it's nearly 160 years. And are we still the country's largest village show? I'm pretty sure we are. I mean, if we look at the ASAO statistics, which is a national show organisation, and most village shows, 500, 600, perhaps 2,000 people. You know, in, a, in a year like this, when the weather's great, we could see sort of 25 to 30,000 people coming. At what point does it stop being a village show? <laughs> does it get it too moves, big eventually? It's not a thing of scale. I think it's a thing of atmosphere and character. And we're very conscious of that and make sure that it keeps the village feel. And it does. The first thing on Saturday morning is the village primary school children doing the 100 yards dash. You know, it's just fantastic. So it does have that village show character. What have Mm. we got for this year's show, Charles? Well, we've got a um, fantastic main ring programme. So we've got medieval jousting tournament, broke FM um, motorcycle stunt team. We've got a wonderful band from Romford with fabulous white uniforms, um, which will look absolutely stunning in the sunshine. And then on Saturday evening, it's 20 years since we first had our firework concert. It's also obviously the Platinum Jubilee. So we pushed the boat out to make a, a truly spectacular and memorable event for Saturday evening too. And you've got a band playing on the Saturday evening, tribute band. Yes, we have, yes. Um, uh, they're called Rule the World. Um, they're a Take That Tribute band. They're very proud of the fact that the only one that Gary Barlow has said is any good. <laughs> so, well, if he says so, he yeah. seems to know what he's talking about, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, I'm not an expert on Take That, but I'm going to have to take his word for it. <laughs> <laughs> and we've got plenty of animals and livestock around, as usual. Yes, we have, yes. So we're, we're back yeah, with the full livestock program again you know which, which is really exciting so this year you know we're back with the, the full range sheep and cattle and heavy horses as well on the saturday so um yeah really looking forward to having everybody in and um, being part of the show again there are still chances to take part but the best thing to yeah you know, for your particular thing just go look on the website and see what's still open you know. okay and give me the details of the website and exactly uh, when and where this is all happening Super easy. The website heckingtonshow.org.uk, and we're having our 154th show, um, the 30th and the 31st of July. If you come book advance tickets online, you can still turn up on the gate. You know, it's £12 for a full day's entertainment. It's, it's, it's extraordinary value, and I think if you think it's only worth 12 quid, should I bother coming? You're looking at it the wrong way round. It's actually it's a fantastic day out for only 12 quid. And that happens because so much of what is done is done on a voluntary basis. We're pretty sure it's the largest voluntary run show in the country. And everybody's happy to give their time and their talent to put on a really strong show that everybody can come and enjoy. And we must thank you and your army of volunteers for what will, I'm sure, be another cracking show, Saturday and Sunday, 30, 31st of July. Charles Pinchbeck, chairman of the Heckington Show, thanks for joining us on the Farming Programme. Have a fantastic weekend. Thank you. Great to talk to you.
Really looking forward to being there on Saturday morning. Do come and say hello if you're there. And let's have a look at the crop situation now with our crop doctor, Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Heckington Show brings back memories, eh? Yes, morning, Steve. I know, that takes me back 41 years, Heckington Show. I know I don't look old enough, but, you know, good honest living and dealing with farmers every day of the week, that's what keeps me looking so young. But 41 years ago, in 1981, I just started working in my first job on the farm at KG Godson & Sons, just outside Sleaford. Steve Markham and Tommy Corby, the best couple of workmates I could have wished for in my first job. They took me to the Heckington Show, my first one in 1981. I can remember then it was very, very hot, very dry, very dusty. And I can remember buying a roll of spanners, a socket set and a toolbox. It cost me not a lot of money, which was fortunate because I didn't have a lot of money. I started out with nothing and I've still got most of that left, to be fair. But I'm still using all of those tools today. Quality you can trust. He had a big banner behind him saying quality you can trust. And, you know, he wasn't joking, was he? 41 years on, still going strong. Very happy days, happy memories. Um, Tommy Corby, sadly, no longer with us, but Steve, if you're listening, I'll catch up with you soon, you big plunker. Anyway, the weather, what a week. If only the Met Office could predict the rain like they can do the heat. Ten days they've been banging on about these two days of 40 degrees we were expecting on Monday and Tuesday. And right up until Wednesday night, they were also predicting that we we're going to get rain on Wednesday. It started out that we should expect somewhere between two and five millimetres of rain on Wednesday afternoon. By Tuesday morning, that had gone up to between 15 and 20 millimetres of rain in heavy downpours. Anything possible, they were saying. By Wednesday morning, we'd slip back to between two and five millimetres of rain in showers and we got absolutely absolutely nothing here not even a wayward splot or a distant rumble of thunder so whatever company the Met Office are using to predict the heat I would say it's worth asking the question Met Office whether they have a module for your computer that can predict rain a little bit more accurately than that too anyway still very very dry in these here parts but 39 degrees Celsius on Monday 41 on Tuesday we'd had 39 the previous Saturday so that 21 degree that we took on Thursday, a full 20 degrees colder than it was 48 hours before, quite the shock to the system, nearly needed to go and get me cardio on. The only thing I really noticed between the heat, it was hot, it, obviously 40 degrees is hot, but didn't really feel that much hotter to me than 30. But when the wind blows when it's 30 degrees, it cools you down. When the wind blew when it was 40, it made things hotter. So that's something to bear in mind for next time it happens. An awful lot of uh, hysteria, a lot of I told you so's and an awful a lot of very condescending people dominating the news bulletins telling us that we all are far too stupid to be able to work out that we need to drink plenty we mustn't get too hot we've got to stay out of the sun in the shade and I really do wonder when it happened that the BBC became so convinced of our collective national stupidity that they felt it's absolutely important to tell us all these things during the news bulletins every day for a week mind you having said that seeing the idiot I saw walking his poor old dog in Stalinborough at 12 noon on Tuesday in 39 degree heat. You can't help but wonder just how many of these idiots are walking among us, can you? So, 41 degrees Tuesday, 39 degrees Monday, 39 degrees over the weekend. That's really changed the greens to the golds out here. I've never, in 33 years of doing this job, seen winter wheat combined in the third week of July, but that is the case this year, very widely. Chris Bayliss at Sutton Estates, I noticed, published a picture on Twitter. Two 
pictures actually showing a field of wheat taken from the same spot but seven years apart the 18th of July I think it was 2015 and the 18th of July 2022 in 2015 that wheat was absolutely lush green not a fleck of anything other than green in that wheat 2022 just the opposite barely a fleck of green 2015 as we all know was a heck of a harvest just because it's already turned though and it's starting to look like it's getting ready for harvest and it's on the downward slope it doesn't necessarily mean that this is all going to be disappointing for us i'm getting reports of wheat on my farm that was cut yesterday having a bushel of well over 85 and a yield well over four ton quite comfortably so if it all weighs like lead shot it's going to bring a few quid in in a year where it needs to to be fair because of the cost of fertilizer and fuel and inputs in general fertilizer and agrochemicals going up as they are and i think in the main the wheat out in the field on mine anyway has filled quite well it looks like there's plenty of berries plenty of berries in the ears and plenty of big ears so you know we've all done all that we can do and it's now in the lap of the weather gods to finish things off for us plenty of pink straw by the way around again this year indicating that there's nutrition locked up in that straw phosphorus and potash so do think very hard before you go selling your straw to a power station because in my opinion whatever they're paying you it really is not enough when you consider that diammonium phosphate will be well over a thousand pound a ton muriate of potash well over 750 pound a ton triple supers well over 900 pounds a ton and if you can put phosphate and potash back into the soil from the straw then that's a heck of a lot cheaper for you than selling that p and k off the farm in the straw for far less than it's going to cost you to replace it just give it some thought before you do it oilseed rape then bit variable but most of that variability is coming from where we saw patches within fields and bits of fields missing whether that be slugs pigeons or even the prolonged hot dry start to september last year and that caused these gaps in the field the rape where there is rape is pretty good and as i said last week just if you are thinking about getting next year's rape crop in the ground just make sure there's some decent rain in the forecast before you put it in we don't want it going in the ground dry and sitting dry it's the worst thing you could possibly do so better to go in at the end of august with some rain than it ever will be in the beginning of august without rain winter barley is running well too good bushels good yields in general up to 11.36 tons per hectare over a weighbridge for me on one farm the six rows doing much better than the two rows the belmont thunderbolt king's barn all doing pretty well for me but then i only have around 500 hectares of winter barley to look after this year the best of my two rows is mountain from lg seeds never looked wrong actually that particular variety it, even where we got some slurry on it and that caused some of it to go down it's run at almost four ton per acre too so perhaps i'm starting to warm back towards growing that abomination of a crop once again that spring all seed rape all but jiggered on my farms thanks to the drought but thanks to the heat and the dry this year on the other side of that double-edged sword we haven't had to spray off peas and it looks like a lot of the winter beans are going to go on off on their own as well and we'll be in those winter beans pretty widely next week by the look of it the peas have done well they've kept their color no disease to mention in sugar beet as yet haven't seen a fleck of rust or mildew no sign of cercospora thankfully uh, so i'm looking at the first fungus 
fungicide probably going on around mid-August unless disease comes in first before then. So whichever happens first, that's what will trigger me. Product very tight uh, at the moment, as I'm sure you're now all aware. Fungicides in sugar beet very tight. Hopefully that will resolve itself over the course of the next couple of three weeks. Uh, and oh yeah, just check, by the way, if you're planning to put Spotlight Plus on your peas or beans for seed, seed only, remember with that, CRD have not been as quick at giving us those emus this year as we would like. So do just check that you're legal before you go out and spray and that there is an emu in price. Right, look, that'll do. A lot shorter and a lot sweeter next week. That I promised you because it's the last one before me holidays. So let's see what the next seven days bring. Thanks as ever, Sean. Sean Sparling, Sparling Agronomy Services. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Umbrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited. Last Monday, about 20 children, teachers and I visited the school garden at Willoughby Foods at Boston. The company produces around 2,000 meals a day for schools in the area and they've set aside a couple of acres for local children to have some plots, plant their own crops, look after them and eat the finished product. We started with digging up some sugar beet that the kids had planted a few months before and... Lincolnshire is very famous for these. Do we know what these are? Potatoes. Potatoes, that's... Proper English, well done. Potatoes, potatoes. But taters is fine, as long as you know what they are. That's looking pretty good, look, folks. Oh, there's two. That looks like a parsnip. Do you want to have a look at that one and pass it around? Oh, my God, that was bigger. That's the hugest one of my life. So we're looking for something at harvest. It would be about three or four times the size of that one. But that is already well on the way. Well on the way. Stuart, when that's fully grown, how much sugar would you get out of each one? I think you would probably need two to three sugar beet to get one bag of sugar, I would think. I would estimate. A good big one. There's a lot of sugar packed up in these little little sugar beets. Willoughby Foods was started around 18 years ago when a local head teacher asked them to provide meals for his primary school. This year they've added the school garden. Director Stuart Ashton, just describe for me what we've got here. This field here is a strip here beside the main road that was... You know, it's a couple of acres, it's it's use no ornament for big equipment anymore. Uh, it was down to permanent grass and I took the decision to make it into plots this year and uh, just experiment. And I've really enjoyed doing it. It looks awful at the moment because it's dry and the grass hasn't grown properly and things aren't quite as we'd expect them to be. But that's been equally as interesting for the children. And so we, I think we've had probably 8 or 12 visits this year to look around the plots. You put quite a lot of support in for the schools just in terms of the business and what you do. From the kids' point of view, how important is it that they understand the journey, farm to fork and good eating habits? I think that's important, but I don't like to preach that. Um, we're all intelligent people. We all get fed that information throughout our lives and we, if, we choose to, if we choose to absorb it, then great. But we, we absorb it all the time because we're farmers, and we, but we can't expect everyone else to know what goes on. For me, the important thing is people to appreciate where the food comes from. I'm not going to preach how it gets there. I'm not going to preach about what they should and shouldn't eat, but just an understanding, a very simple understanding of where the food comes from, whether it be from the UK or the rest of the world. Head teacher at Kirkby Laythorpe CE Primary School, Katie Gravel. How did you actually cope with feeding the children during the lockdown period of COVID? We've been really um, pleased with the support that Willoughby Foods have given our school in terms of both the quality of the meals, but also during lockdown, uh, the quality of their food boxes that they provided for our children that were on free school meals was of such a high standard. They were really responsive. Uh, they spoke to us. They used to make little menu overviews for the for the boxes so the parents knew what to do with the foods. And without that, you know, some of our families would have really struggled during lockdown. So thank you to Willoughby Foods. 
From a school point of view, what do you get out of this? Uh, yeah, I think it's really important that our children know where their school lunches are coming from. So being part of this project means the children can come actually take part and, and watch their food being grown. And then obviously once it's delivered on their plate, they've got a good insight as to where it's come from. So that kind of uh, from the ground to the plate journey is really important to our, to our school for the children's education. Have you done this kind of thing before? Um, we have been involved in projects like this before. We've got our own raised beds at school, so again, we're very keen to promote the children understanding where their food comes from. Obviously, our rural setting as well means that children, some of our children come from farming backgrounds, but, but days like today really bring the learning to life for our pupils, which is great. Do you find that some kids still believe that the food comes shrink-wrapped from the supermarket? Most definitely, and I think, you know, again, it's getting that, that, that concept of, of really understanding and knowing that, you know, how, how foods are grown, that actually it shouldn't all be pre-packed and, and sealed, that actually and actually sometimes you know food comes in different shapes and sizes it might have had a little bit of a nibble from from a, a creature all of that type of thing just means that food looks real as opposed to kind of all the, the pre-packaged uh, processed you know foods that some children do receive and the final word must go to the kids though what kind of plants are you holding in your hands at the moment Marrows. they're huge aren't they what are the little ones called courgettes courgettes brilliant and you've learned all about the plants and all about where your lunch comes from have you had a good time yeah They really did have a great time, as did I, almost as enthusiastic as the Thunderflies. To the markets we go now, firstly from Louth Livestock Market. Good morning, auctioneer Oliver Chapman. Good morning, Steve. Another weekly roundup from a very hot Louth this week. Starting with the prime cattle, which sees steers average 246.5 pence per kilo and top for F. Wallace and Sons of Biscothorpe at 261 pence per kilo and gross £1,563. The heifers all in average 230.32 pence per kilo and top for GL and M car of Skidbrook at 260 pence per kilo or £1,518. On to the cool cows which see an all in average of 143.45 pence per kilo with a top of 172 pence per kilo for TNT Towers of Adelthorpe while they topped in the pounds per head for AW Lewis and Son of Grainthorpe at £1,109. That wraps the cattle up moving on to the sheep. Numbers slightly down on the sheep has to be expected with the weather as predicted. 424 lambs leave an SQQ of 296.3 pence per kilo, which will be some 30 to 40 pence dearer on average over the year. A top this week came for Scribblesby Farms Limited at pounds per head at £152 and in the pence per kilo for the same good home at 323 pence. Finally, just onto the cool ewes, a handier number on show as the festivals have now passed, so there's a few less about, which leave an all in average per head of £120.48. Topping with Scribblesby Farms Limited at £179. Huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors, and the staff that keep it rolling each week. And just quickly, I'd like to mention that just under two weeks' time on Friday, the 5th of August, is our first special show and sale of breeding sheep, which is the original Partly Fair. Entries closed for posted catalogues on Friday, the 29th. So for any entries or to discuss marketing options, please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. Thanks as ever, Oliver. And with a look at the week's grain markets, Openfield's Alice Killam. Morning, Alice. Good morning, everyone. Monday saw US wheat futures end sharply lower, with the USDA report producing a slightly negative stance. Hope also grew for an agreement on the opening of the Black Sea for exports from the Ukraine. On this topic, the flip side could provide a bullish market if the deal was to fall through. The US dollar made 20-year highs, with inflation at a 40-year high, sparking recession fears. 
Despite extreme heat, high export demand and a weak euro and a lack of farmer selling, Matif followed down on the back of building optimism for a Ukraine agreement. Although even in the best of cases, nearby demand will stay in the EU. EU weather now a major concern for Mays and with wheat much further forward, French ratings are now under the seven-year average. More wheat samples are being tested in UK labs and it seems that there is a plethora of low proteins. This follows the low nitrogen in malting barleys, whilst both have seen massive bushel weights. It may speak true then that malting premiums could drop in theory, whilst milling premiums may remain supported. On the other hand though, with a weaker looking barley crop in Europe after suffering from heat stress and drought, barley may yet remain supported. Once again, time will tell. Speaking of barley, we have seen what some might call a decent and above average winter barley harvest with some decent yields, high bushels and low proteins. Early spring barley quality is encouraging, but not all perfect. A lot of this comes down to the type of land the crop has been drilled into. The heavier lands have held onto water better than the lighter lands. The bushel weights seem excellent. I've seen both high and low nitrogens. Another topical note would be that the water levels are looking extremely low in Europe. Due to the disrupted gas supply from Russia, with capacity at around 40%, coal is now being transported by barge around Holland and northern Germany. This has reduced the capacity for grains to be moved in the same way, which could mean extra spot demand. What a strange week it's been for Orthy Rape in the UK. Some combining through the night and having to stop post 10am, moisture playing a major part here. We only want to see samples in the 6-9% to range, please. Soya beans and palm oil traded higher in the early stages of the week, but rapeseed didn't improve as much, with the spread between harvest and November continuing to widen due to harvest pressure. Rapeseed markets took a kicking on Wednesday, with the French Matif losing €20 in one session. Factors for this include harvest pressure in the EU, change of weather forecast hoping to help US beans, and a delay in agreeing ethanol increase up to 30% in Indonesia. Pressure once again now on haulage, with lots of different commodities moving. Expecting next day movement is, overall, a thing of the past. Patience is key, albeit difficult, I understand. I promise lorries will be heading your way as soon as possible. Prices for this week. Feed wheat, August 245 to 255. September 254 to 264. November 256 to 266. With milling wheat premiums currently around 40 to 45 pounds. Barley, August 220 to 230. September 222 to 232. October 231 to 241. November 232 to 242. Winter malting premiums for harvest are around 60 to 65 pounds, increasing later in the year. Spring malting premiums for October, December are around 100 pounds, sitting less around harvest, but above winter still. All seed rape. August 497 to 507, September 501 to 511, October 504 to 514, November 507 to 517. Have a great weekend, everyone, and keep those wheels turning. Thanks very much, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A hot beginning and end with a cooler middle this week. Up to 31 Celsius today with a brisker southwesterly breeze and mostly dry. We may see some light rain Monday with winds in the mid-teens MPH from the west and highs dropping to 24. Then a bit of rain around for the middle of the week. Winds light and variable, highs just nudging 20. And that's all followed by a hot, dry end to the week. That's it for this week. Hope harvest continues well for you. Next week we look ahead to Farm 24. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The 
Farming Programme with our equipped steel stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham, supplying the region for over 40 years. 